0: This is Monstras. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monstras, a podcast dedicated to Latin American and Latinx horror folklore history and all things weird. I am Brenda Salguero, and with me today is Orquídia Mora.
1: It's working. I we did it last month. We are doing it again this month. I love it. Hi everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <No. laughs> this whole yeah, so that we don't forget to introduce ourselves. I'm now doing it for the both of us, so that works for me. I
1: know. And then you get to play with both of our names. You can introduce us. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So you ne- you never know who I'm gonna like yeah. twist. <laughs> Anyways, as y'all know, we are doing a special series of episodes from uh, for this summer called Dangerous Summer or Verano Peligroso. So listen at your own
1: risk. That's right. For Verano Peligroso, we've uh, talked about Florentino Fernandez from Argentina in last month's episode this month uh, for July we'll, we'll be talking about Las Poquianchis from Mexico and then next month August we'll talk about Luis Garavito from Colombia and our Patreon episodes will also talk about true crime or like really weird stuff uh, so if you're not a member you should totally join
0: yes uh, join now. <laughs>
1: i do not have like a you know call me now voice
0: (laughs) a call me now what do you mean call me now i
1: don't know like infomercials like the you know um like miss cleo and stuff like those women that were kind of you know call me now for a free reading
0: yeah call us now
1: for a free reading of your pa you have it (laughs) i don't have it
0: oh i so see all. i see i mean i can, it's just a breathy a breathy voice Indeed. yeah it's just a breathy voice i'll do it i'll do it at some point again <laughs> no you
1: should save that for monster us after dark if y'all want to hear that again oh, yeah y'all have to sign up for, to our patreon so you can hear that <laughs> in monster us after dark
0: <laughs> i think most people would pay not to hear
1: it i don't know if that's true <laughs> If you don't want to hear that again, let us know by joining Patreon and sending us a message.
0: <laughs> Dang. Okay, dear. You, you're so good at this. You're good at this. But uh, before
1: we get into today's case, uh, we do want to do a, a, a trigger warning. Just, you know, unlike last month's episode, which was maybe not true. Um, the the crimes that we'll be talking about today, committed by the González Valenzuela sisters, are real. They're documented, and they're very, very cruel. Uh, we'll be talking about sexual assault, human trafficking, and violence against children, particularly young girls. Um, so keep that in mind as as you listen.
0: Yes. So this episode does have major trigger warnings, and we will put them in the show notes as well so people know. But now that, with that being said, let us get started. That's right.
1: So we're starting at the end of the 20 year nightmare. Um, the year is 1964. Young Catalina Ortega showed up at the local police station in Leon, Guanajuato. The authorities, after hearing her harrowing story, set out to arrest the Gonzalez Valenzuela sisters, which consisted of Delfina, Maria de Jesus, Maria del Carmen, and Maria Luisa. A lot of Marias. I know. Uh By this point, I, I will say Maria del Carmen was uh, deceased already. But those are the four major... Those are the four sisters. Uh, By the end, it was only three that were arrested because they were still alive. Got it. So what had young Ortega told them that got them to act? Well, Catalina Ortega was a recent arrival to the ranch the women owned in San Francisco del Rincón. Ortega told police how she had been tricked, like many before her. Ortega was promised a job by the sisters and their henchmen. Yet when she arrived, she saw it was a brothel, and she was expected to sleep with men. Ortega was one of the lucky few that made it out.
0: Well, let's rewind and meet the monsters of this story, the González valenzuela sisters. And we usually like monsters, but not these women. No. We don't Especially
1: like these female women. monsters, we're all about them, but not these ladies.
0: Born in Irapuato, in the state of Guanajuato, the González valenzuela sisters, Delfina, Maria de Jesus, Maria del Carmen... And Maria Luisa grew up in a broken home with a violent father and a religiously devout mother. Their father, Isidro Torres, was a real gem. He used to be part of the Porfirio Diaz army. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, you
1: know he's the winner.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know he's. <laughs> then, Torres was the sheriff of El Salto, he was in charge of exec- executions also. He would do what any good dad would do, and he would take his daughters to the executions. How fun. It's, you know, take
1: your daughter to work day sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) He was also a drunkard that would beat his wife and children. Fantastic. a real catch. Number one dad. What?
1: (laughs) Number one Uh, dad of the year. He has the mug, the shirt, everything.
0: Yeah, exactly. Terrible. So... Their mom wasn't any better. Bernardina Valenzuela would also beat and punish the sisters, but not out of drunken stupors, like the father. She would do it because of her religious fanaticism. Great, fantastic, another winner. (laughs) I guess the girls weren't pure religious enough for her, so the sisters learned to fear the sight of a rosary. That's all
1: messed up.
0: Super messed up. There was no comfort or safety in this home. The girls grew rebellious, of course. So much so that one of them, Maria del Carmen, decided to run away with her boyfriend. Her dad did not take this very well. And remember, he was the sheriff, so he had the resources to actually hunt her down and arrest her. What an idiot. What an asshole. So then he he, he actually sent her to jail for 14 months
1: i do feel really bad for maria del carmen because that is messed up but it gets worse if you can imagine oh my god so uh mr isidro torres the badass sheriff that he was had the tendency of abusing people as you do So he would just beat people up, arrest them for no reason, just go wild. And he got away with it for a really long time. But around the time he locked up Maria del Carmen, he got into legal trouble because of it. So he killed someone that was not just a poor peasant. He was someone that was important and well-known. So the authorities actually had to do something about it. And they were going to arrest him. So Torres just went on the run and totally forgot that he had locked up Maria del Carmen. <gasps>
0: <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: That's so messed up. Yeah, so she was
1: supposed to be in there for 14 months, but the father, who was the, the person that put him there, right, there was no trial, there was no sentence, no record of anything. It's just him deciding to put her in there. So she had no way out. Um, and so, poor Maria del Carmen, this is so messed up. So, poor Maria del Carmen was able to get out, but it cost her really big. A 50-year-old local man named Luis Garnos agreed to get her out of jail as long as he married him when she was out. So, she was forced to get married, and they had, like, two kids together, I think.
0: Oh, God. How old was she?
1: Uh, I'm not sure, but she must have been in her early teens, early to mid-teens, I imagine.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah, so she That's she true. had a really rough life. They all did. Uh, not that that excuses what we're going to talk about, their crimes, but they still had a horrible life.
0: Wow. Of course, yeah. That doesn't actually absolve them of the crimes that they commit, but it does give us a picture of, like, why they were such terrible people. Like, again... I think one of the things that you see in true crime that's pretty common is the cycle of abuse, yeah and cycle of pain and suffering, and people just pass on that pain and like vomit it to the next person you know underneath them, and it's terrible.
1: that is a horrible visual, Brenda. I am disgusted
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how I think about generational trauma is just people vomiting on one another now, and now just, I'm like, picturing
1: birds. Like, when birds feed baby birds? Just regurgi- um, yeah, regurgitating that's... the trauma, regurgitating the pain.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right into their children's mouths. Yeah. It's really it's really sad. It's really terrible.
1: Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, these women had a horrible life, and they committed horrible things that are inexcusable. Um, they were arrested in 1964 when their horrible crimes finally came to light. So, uh, crime time.
0: Crime times! So, when the cops arrived at the San San Francisco del Ricon ranch, they found 17 women and children. Sources aren't very clear on how many kids there were and how many adults. The 17 victims were dirty, beaten up, and malnourished. Another account kind of says that there were only 13 victims found alive and that four of them were underage. They also found a makeshift burial ground from which they dug up over 90 Bodies. that's ridiculous that's insane i can't even Im- imagine killing that many people like i just can't <laughs> i mean it's we should not be imagining insane. killing people yeah but the work that it would take to like dig up 90 you know what i mean like it's just it sounds like a lot True. of work i just i just think <laughs> just thinking about digging a hole for my for my stupid plants i'm just like that's exhausting but, but
1: as we'll see they had people to do the digging for them so I, oh yeah. that's
0: true that's true okay so if you're if you're really
1: good at your job you'll find somebody to do it for you
0: that's yeah. true that's a good point <laughs> so the story the surviving women witnesses and the criminals told was sordid and terrifying as the mystery began to unravel the local and national news shared all the morbid details because of course it turns out The sisters and their accomplices had been running a sex trafficking ring. They would recruit young women, preferably underage, from small towns and ranchos around Jalisco and Guanajuato, and then force them to have sex for money. For 20 years, they did this. It is estimated that between roughly 1945 and 1964, they committed around 150 murders, although the official number of victims was 91
1: yeah i i believe that they're the most prolific mexican serial killer if we see them as yeah serial i killers. mean that's yeah
0: that's hands down they would have to be right mm-hmm. i don't even think a narco has gotten that close geez yeah. it's just terrible it's,
1: i mean it's terrifying and we really have to think about how did these three sisters get involved in such heinous activities? And the simple answer is unfortunately, but not surprisingly, money. They wanted to make yeah. money. Um, it turns out that Delfina was the first one to set up businesses. She moved from uh, to San Juan de los Lagos where she set up her bar called Guadalajara de Noche. She then moved to San Francisco del Rincón in Guanajuato where she set up the casa de citas, uh, which is kind of what they call them. It's another way to say brothel. So um, casa mm-hmm. de citas translates to right, directly to the dating house. So we're the house where you go and have quote unquote dates. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. So casa de citas sounds better than, you know, a prostibulo or a brothel. So that's what they would call it. Mm. Um, So she created another Casa de Citas and she named it again Guadalajara de Noche. She really liked that name. Um, (laughs) And the second location, the first one didn't do super well, but the second one did really, really well. And it was one of the most famous bars uh, at that time in that region. Um, They had a lot of clientele. And what this place was like is the front of house was a bar like setting with young women entertaining the men dancing, all that sort of stuff. And then in the back, there were rooms that the men could rent to have sex with the prostitutes slash victims, really. Yeah. Um, Because the, these women and, and young girls weren't there willingly, unfortunately. Um, and Delfina's sister, Carmen, Maria del Carmen, did the accounting for the bar before her death. So it was all in the family situation.
0: Got um, it. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I'm, I'm, I imagine that they're all trauma bound.
1: Yeah, I that definitely makes sense. And who else would you trust by but your sister when you're committing these crimes?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like we saw, you know, some horrific crap together. Yeah. So now we're in it together forever. Sister
1: time, committing crimes.
0: <laughs> sister time. This is their sister. This is insane. That this is their sister bond
1: bonding. Honestly, time. and. I'm all for women setting up their own businesses, but this is not it. This, this is not, not the it. answer. Um, and no. another family member that was involved was actually their main enforcer. Um, it was Delfina's son named Ramon Torres Gonzalez. His nickname was El Tepo. And it's kind of... This, this is a funny story. I really like this story. Um, everything else is okay. grotesque, but this is hilarious. So El Tepo <laughs> was in charge of recruiting quote-unquote, the young girls. um, But he was also in charge of making sure that they were uh, malleable and that they were obedient. So he was a real asshole. Um, Mm. In 1963, there was a shootout with the cops because the cops hadn't received the payoff. So the cops went to the bar and they They shot up El Tepo And he died. So Delfina's son was killed (sighs) by the cops. After his death, though... It got crazier, if you can believe that. So just imagine, like, this this scene, like, you know, middle of the night, I'm in a brothel, and then there's a shootout out front, all this sort of stuff. The madam of the. And it's a police. Exactly. The police are killing somebody uh, because they didn't pay him off. Like, all of this is so ridiculous. So Delfina was like, they're not gonna get away with this. She decided to hire people from the military to find out which cops had killed her son. And then (gasps) kill them. What? Yeah. So there was a series of cop murders in the town. Um, And of course, Delfina realized that she had to leave (laughs) because she had just done that. Um, So she and all the women and girls that worked for her, her sister, they move or uh, they decided to move to Guanajuato where Maria de Jesus had a business. So they joined Maria de Jesus. So, my, wow. yeah. so Maria de Jesus had seen Delfina's success and set up shop in Ciudad de León in Guanajuato. Um, so they both had the same businesses. And what's really fucked up is the sisters would send each other women. Uh,
0: what? So they would, oh, so they had two businesses and they would just be like, oh, I have this girl you can have her or whatever. Like, yeah.
1: So they, horrific. So whoever was closer to like the ranches, uh, I think it was Delfina, would kidnap. And then send them to other sisters. So, so sex trafficking. Whole network network of sex trafficking. For 20 years.
0: That's what boggles my mind is like how long they they were able to get away with this, you know? It's just crazy.
1: And in multiple locations, um, because Delfina was in uh, San Juan de los Lagos before she moved to Leon, Guanajuato with Maria del Jesus. Wow. So Maria de Jesus had seen Delfina's success and set up a, a place in León, Guanajuato. Um, she had worked, saved up some money and rented a house to do the Casa de Citas thing. Um, she got a permit to run the brothel in exchange for sexual favors and monthly payments, of course. So they were okay. all kind of run like that. And she named her brothel La Casa Blanca. So that translates to the White House. Which is a really fucked up name because in Spanish human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, was historically named Trata de Blancas or Tratado de Blancas, um, which oh. translates to like trading uh of of whites.
0: Ah, uh, trading white trading really? white,
1: exactly. Um, so now we just say trata de personas or uh human trafficking because trata de blancas is hella racist. Um but I imagine when they were operating, that was a common term used, right? That the Blanca's was probably really common, and the fact that they named it La Casa Blanca, knowing that they are sex traffickers,
0: It's pretty. Blatant. It is ridiculous. It's like pretty much like me setting up a, a business and being like, I don't know what my business would be, murder for hire or whatever, and then being like, I don't know, happy murder. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Murder donut. I don't know. Kick the bucket. It's a donut shop. (laughs) (laughs) And depending on what donut you order, it's the kind of murder you want. So, you know what I mean? Like, or the murderer you want to hire. I don't know. Maybe this is a good... uh, I kind of want a donut now. (laughs) So you...
1: Maybe this is... You convinced yourself you want a donut. I'm glad you convinced yourself of that and not, you know, murder. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's where it started. (laughs) we ended up with donuts.
0: (laughs) It sounds like too much work. I'd rather just eat the donut. You're not wrong.
1: I totally agree with you.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a lot of work. Uh, I
1: I did want to say just that the term Tratado de Blancas or Trato de Blancas is racist uh, because it came out in the 19th century and the fear that white women or specifically European women were being kidnapped and sent to other continents to be exploited sexually and sold into prostitution rings. So it's specifically about white women uh, being kidnapped. Um, It Mm. is not, you know, referencing women of color. Um, So if it's uh, women of color, it doesn't lead to kind of any social alarms or worries. It's accepted and permitted, Uh, which is what we're seeing with the Bokianchis too. Like, these sisters were kidnapping and exploiting mostly poor, working class, and brown, indigenous young girls and women from ranch areas. So nobody blinked an eye because nobody cared about them, right? If it had been actual Blancas, that might have been an issue.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like El Tempo, right? He killed the wrong exactly. person. He was killing peasants, but then he killed the wrong person and they were like... <sighs>
1: Gotta do something yeah. about this Well, that was his, their dad, but yeah.
0: Oh, their yeah. dad. Sorry, their dad. They have yeah. such a great Not family.
1: Open. It's hard to keep track of who's killed yeah. whom and yeah.
0: <laughs> Very complicated family tree that I, of murder. Yeah. A family tree of murder. Like, yeah, so I confused them. But yeah, you don't kill the wrong person essentially. But that is messed up. That's really messed up. And I didn't realize that was a whole, there was a whole history with that yeah. word. So by the late 50s, early 60s, all the sisters were actually in Guanajuato area. And they decided, I swear I say that, that name different every single time. But it sounds right. Uh, okay, great. <laughs> and so they decided to put together their money and expertise to set up an, yet another bar. They set up the brothel La Barca de Oro in León, Guanajuato. In this town, prostitution was actually illegal, so they didn't have to bribe anybody. La Barca de Oro was previously run by a guy named El Poquianchi. So after the sisters bought it, the name sort of stuck and they got the nickname of Las Poquianchis also. The, and do you know what that means?
1: It't I don't think it means anything or it might might be regional regional slang, but when I looked it up, I couldn't really find. What it meant. When I looked it up, anything that came up was related to the case, honestly.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, it probably is a regional slang or whatever. Yeah. So, to recruit, air quotes, for their brothels, the sisters would have henchmen who would be in charge of searching for teenage girls between the ages of 12 to 15, be it in, like, the farm or in farms or on the streets, um, uh, searching for people or for girls who they could kidnap or hire under the false position of being servants. The poor children and young women were taken were then taken to a ranch or home where they were tortured, starved, raped, as a way to break them. So that way they wouldn't have any hope. Then they would send them to the brothels to work. Luisa decided to try things out on her own, and she moved to Tamalpota. Tamaulipas. Tamaulipas. Luisa decided to try things out on her own, and she moved to Tamaulipas. She would ask her sisters to send her, air quotes, merchandise, a.k.a. sex trafficking victims. How tough is that? It's really messed up. So women were not allowed to leave the brothel, and if they became pregnant, they had abortions or their babies were killed. Young women who disobeyed, tried to escape, or rebelled, were tortured and killed on the very grounds where they were exploited. The young girls were tortured physically and psycho- psychologically in order to keep them compliant and to get them involved in committing the crimes. Furthermore, the young girls were indebted to them. Oh, that's even yeah. worse.
1: <laughs> I know. You don't think it can get worse and then it does.
0: It's like they, they gave them, like, student loans. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. The sisters provided them with food and clothes, which they then charged for. Oh, my yeah. God. These people are... <laughs> they're so greedy.
1: It really... I mean, slavery, right? Like, they, it, it's a business. These people are... These girls are seen as merchandise. It's not... They're not seen as humans. So why would they care about their well-being? That's true. But I mean
0: it's just it's just terrible. Yeah,
1: I I can't imagine seeing somebody like that. Um and and to 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 kind of bring it all together, the the insanity of it. Young girls and women were kidnapped and lured lured away from their home with promise of a job and safety, instead they were tortured, raped and prostituted out. They weren't making any money off of it and there was no consent, obviously. Yeah. And and this is the part that gets me it's just these women were having sex right so obviously there was they were getting pregnant how many abortions were they forced to have i can't imagine in what conditions were they forced to have these abortions right um and i know yes. it's a difficult topic especially now in the us um but yeah i this is just so so painful to to think about and then if they did manage to have babies some of the children were killed so the body of the fetuses were thrown away or buried in the ranch um as soon as they were born they were the babies were just killed and then disposed of um and it's, it's it's painful
0: it's painful but it's also interesting in that i guess the men just didn't have to deal with any of this They just had the sacks and then just you know, the johns. And then just left.
1: Yeah. And how many, I mean, they must have known that these were children. We know some of the people that were going in were cops. Like, how do you explain that to yourself? How do you say this is okay?
0: Yeah, I mean, you just have no morals. You just don't have any morals. Yeah.
1: And, And of course, the Bokianchis, their business relied on having beautiful and fresh, right? You have to have new young girls at the brothel for the dirty men Um, so usually when the women turned 25 they were too old for the job so they were sent away Um, they were forced to do other types of jobs around the ranch uh, or they were killed that's how we have so many victims once the women aged out they were murdered
0: wow at 25
1: it's not it's like Hollywood right like just once you hit the big two five it's over
0: ugh
1: but uh, I, I just, again, I can't begin to imagine how horrific this must have been to experience. um, Especially when you learn that some of the victims that had been kidnapped and tortured for years were then turned into perpetrators too. So some of the women that were not killed when they turned 25 would were forced to kill and dispose of other women in the brothel. So it becomes a horrible, vicious cycle.
0: Ugh. And it's, like, you have to do it to survive. Like, it's, it's like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah.
1: And we have another, if I think we have, like, know. another story that talks about that. Like, the victims. Oh, great. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then, the question becomes, how did they get away with this for, like, 20 years? Well, as y'all might expect, they had police protection, as we mentioned before, Right. We mentioned earlier, yeah, that they bribed local authorities with money and sex, and the authorities were definitely aware something was going on, so much so that in 1962, the authorities actually decided to shut down the brothels. The sisters decided to buy a ranch called Loma de Angel and turn that ranch into a brothel. The Gonzalez valenzuela sisters, or Las Poquianches, were arrested and charged with kidnapping, human trafficking, and aggravated homicide Giving them the maximum and they were given the maximum penalty at the time of forty years in prison, many of the victims or bodies they had they they found uh when they were digging them up had wounds and contusions so they were already like they were just messed up yeah people. I mean they were tortured it was just terrible yeah.
1: and i I don't go too much into detail about that, but some of the accounts or some of the articles that I read it just talk about how these women were like, it It seems that the people that killed them got joy out of killing them and hurting them. And Ugh. that's.
0: So there was just sadist- I mean, it's just, it's not even about money then. It's just, it becomes a sadistic thing yeah.
1: for these people. It, it really is terrifying.
0: And it's, it's kind of interesting to look back on it too and be like, huh. It's so interesting that the mother of these women were so religious mm-hmm. It was so religious that she would try to beat religion into them and and ended up just turning them into monsters.
1: Yeah, exactly. And turning them into you know, if we think about religion, and especially in Mexico, you it's like the image of the Virgin Mary, right? You want your daughters to be like the Virgin Mary and they ended up like the opposite of it, right? The they ended up whores, which is horrible, right? Like you can't women yeah. can't have sex and they just made it horrible. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, they just, yeah, they just became these monsters, yes. these terrible, terrible humans. Yeah,
1: um, so we do know what happened to them. Um, Delfina, who was nicknamed La Poquianchis Mayor, the oldest Poquianchis, she died in prison at the age of 56 in 1968. This is really hilarious, and I feel like she deserved it. So yeah. she died after a bucket of cement fell on her head. While she was in jail.
0: What I and I was gonna say, if they were arrested in nineteen sixty four, they only spent she only spent four years yeah. in jail.
1: but that's a, that's the way to honestly, like that is just. I hope it was painful.
0: Yeah, I hope I hope she suffered. Yeah. In
1: nineteen eighty four, Maria Luisa, who was nicknamed Eva la Piernuda or Eve the Leggy,
0: the leggy, the leggy girl, girl the, yeah. The, what? Oh. Okay.
1: uh she died of cancer in her cell um, wow. and Maria del Jesus was the only one who made it get who made it out of jail and died sometimes in sometime in the nineties we don't really know, but she lived for a really long time um wow. yeah and maria del Carmen died in nineteen forty eight from cancer so she kind of died at the beginning of their killing spree
0: Wow yeah. so she basically kind of I mean, she was involved, but then she didn't end up... Yeah, but she died before okay. it got too horrifying. Um, wow. Yeah. And
1: some of the stuff I read, Maria Luisa, the Eva La Piernuda, seemed like she really enjoyed torturing the women. Like, Ugh. there were some I'm glad accounts. she died of cancer. Yeah. I hope it
0: was slow. Yeah.
1: it. I mean, the the hatred or whatever evil must be killing them from the inside out. Two of them died of cancer.
0: Yeah, two of the four, and... <laughs> except for the, the bucket the one that had a cement bucket drop on her head oh my god just just ridiculous you... and what a, it's like a cartoon in... she died like in a cartoon exactly.
1: way exactly i just it feels like poetic justice um so yeah. there is one sad thing left to talk about um at least according to the reports of that time so some of the uh, articles that were coming out as they were being arrested talked about how people from the neighborhood were exploring around the house or the ranch, by uh, that that the Poggiancies lived at, trying to find remains or memorabilia to keep. So like body parts, bones, anything having to do with the crime. The people from the neighborhood were trying to go and find. Oof. Yeah, this was days after the discovery. One of the articles I read was like, you know, the investigator was there while someone was digging for memorabilia.
0: That's wild and disgusting. How gross.
1: How gross! I mean, I like creepy things. I want weird shit. But I'm not going to dig through somebody's grave like that.
0: Not, not... And especially because they died in such a horrific way. I just don't want to... Yeah, I just don't want to be involved in any sort of yep. way. Like, unless I'm collecting evidence or unless I'm, like, collecting things to preserve for maybe the people, the victim's families or mm-hmm. something, I'm not, yeah, there's just no way.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially when not not everybody was identified. They obviously couldn't identify the victims. So only a small portion of them were identified. And who knows if somebody took away an evidence, a piece of evidence that would have made a difference
0: how sorry my cat is still screaming he's now putting his paw underneath the door he says what are you doing you've been in there too long i know i gotta wrap this up because he's gonna he's gonna scream at me some more um so that's horrific but before before we conclude we wanted to think through some of the social factors that allowed for this to happen. So Elisa Robel, Robledo, Robledo Elisa Robledo, has a great book titled, Yo La Poquianches, Por Dios Que Así Fue, where she does extensive research into what happened. She argues that a big part of the reason behind their crimes was their history of abuse, as we, me and you mentioned. They had grown callous and had total disregard for human life. At the same time, they wanted to escape and get away from the control of men, particularly their father. The liminality of a brothel, as in it's both regulated and not, gave them the opportunity to have some economic freedom, especially at the time when, especially Mexico in that area, I'm sure, was not, women were not. They did not have many financial options. Yeah. And I think that's something that we, that they really wanted. And honestly, a lot of women in Mexico at the time didn't have. So yeah, yeah. So as I said, yeah, it was, it was a way to, yeah, be free. I mean, money, money is freeing. It helps you get out of poverty. It helps you get, you know, get things that you want. So I'm sure that's what they wanted is money and power. I don't think they just wanted money, I think they wanted power I
1: think so and and control right because both of their parents were controlling and or for in different ways for different reasons, and then knowing that if you as as a woman in Mexico, especially during that time to leave your house, you kind of have to be married so they yeah. didn't have a lot of options beyond being controlled by men or being controlled by somebody um and unfortunately, this is the path that they they took. And I think for me, in researching this case, I really hated how so many of the reports and news articles about this talk about the Bokianchis as if they were witches or something. Many said the sisters performed satanic rites by killing animals and watching their captives being raped for more money and protection. There's no evidence of that. Uh, It was never proven. The women were just ambitious and and evil. Um, and it's hard for us to understand how people could do this, especially to children. So we turn to Satanism or whatever scapegoat we want, but sometimes people are just evil. And this is one of those cases. They're they're just evil, right?
0: They're just evil. I mean, they were just evil. They were just evil people that were, you know, formed from trauma, formed from, you know, <laughs> abuse. That's what they were created from. Uh and I bet you both her pa- their parents were also born from abuse and trauma as well. Yeah. It's just, again, it's just a cycle. And unfortunately, for anyone who has been through that, kudos to the people who stop it. You know, who stop that cycle and say, no more. I'm not going to be contributing to the abuse to the wor- in the world or I'm not going to abuse my children. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, kudos to those Yeah, like, people.
1: where does our choice come in, right? Your life... Could suck and be horrible, but where do you have choice and control over what you do?
0: Exactly. Um, So it is also important to keep in mind that we need to keep the voice of the victims alive. For example, one of the victims that was found alive, Maria Alta Garcia Soberrano Valdivia. Oh my God, that's a very long name. Ah uh, was only 24 years old when she was rescued. Wow, so a year before she was I know, she was about to killed. be. Yeah. She, in interviews during that time, she said, I haven't seen my mother, Manuela Valdivia, in eight years. I used to work in Santiago, Nayarit. A woman named Beatrice convinced me to work with her in a restaurant in Guadalajara where I was going to make a lot of money. She convinced me to go to Lagos de Moreno, Jalisco, and I was trapped at the Cabaret Guadalajara de Noche, where Delfina Gonzalez was in charge. I couldn't get out. At the door, there were women that would stop you, and at nights, they would lock us up. They rarely fed us, and if we had conversations with clients, they would punish us. She added that, after the shootout with El Depo, Delfina hid all the women in a room that had a hidden door behind a dresser. The cabaret was closed, and we stayed locked in the room for three days. They then took us out through a window, and one of Delfina's cars pulled up. We had to lay on the floor of the car by the feet of Captain Gildo Zuniga, so the police couldn't find them. In that same interview, she added that she had given birth to three children that were then killed by Adela Mancillas Alcala. And I'm guessing Adela was probably another victim as well. Yep,
1: that's, yeah, that's one of the aspects that we didn't talk about too much. And I think one of the most painful ones, right? Like the Pocchi sisters were definitely victims of circumstances, but they still chose to do what they did. They still had control. And what about women like Adela? She killed because this was a way for her to survive. Um, Other women that had been victims of like the sisters, like Adela included Ma- Maria... Auxiliadora Gómez, Lucila Martínez del Campo, Guadalupe Moreno Quiroz, Ramona Gutiérrez Torres, um, and Esther Muñoz La Picochulo. Those were all women that had been kidnapped, prostituted, and then had turned into jailers and enforcers for Las Las Poquianchis, right? So they, you know, like in the case of of that interview with um, María Altagracia, Right, she talks about how Adela, who was a victim, was now killing her kids.
0: Ugh, so terrible. Yeah. Were they? Do you know if they any of them were prosecuted or taken to jail as well for for their involvement? I'm
1: not sure. Um, I don't remember seeing that. Um, I know they were doing it because they were promised not to be killed if they did it. Um, so I'm sure if they did, they got a lesser sentence. Um. But yeah. they, I mean, they started torturing, beating, and killing other women and babies um, just so that they wouldn't become victim. What What do you think? Do you think they're victims, perpetrators, both?
0: I mean, it's either a kill or hurt someone else. And that's a really tough situation, to a really tough thing to put someone in. I don't know what I would do, to be honest with you. Like I would just try to survive and try to find a way to not die, but also follow orders. I guess. Yeah. Like, I it feels like being kind was a death sentence in this environment.
1: Definitely, yeah. Because even talking to customers, right? Like, even talking to to the Johns would get you in trouble.
0: God, it's just it's just horrifying. Like. All the control that their parents put on them, they decided to put on these women, and that's kind of insanity, yeah and the fact the fact that kills me the most though is that why did no one do anything like I know I mean I understand the environment, I understand that this was you know targeted to young to more poorer people. But I'm still like baffled by the fact that the police did nothing. Which I'm, I mean, no, I'm not baffled by the police. I'm more baffled by the community, honestly, that didn't do anything. The police are what, are, are gangs. I mean, what They're, are all gangs? What
1: are you gonna do if the police are involved? If local politicians are involved? Like the General Hermandillo, Hermenegildo, the Captain who was like a military. He was a higher up, and he was dating one of the sisters.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is, I mean, and it's crazy, too, because all these men were so complicit mm -hmm. in this whole thing and operation. Did any of them see any jail time? Did this Capitan see jail time? I think
1: so. I think one or two did. Yeah. Most of the focus, though, is on the sisters, like, especially on the news and reports about it, right? It focuses on how these women... Uh, did these horrible things and doesn't really talk about the other people involved.
0: Yeah. I just, it, that's what I mean is like, it's this, they would not have been able to do what they would were doing if it wasn't for these other men also in these positions of power, helping yeah. them. They were straight up just helping them because they gave them something that they wanted.
1: Yeah. It's real. I mean, it's really depressing to think about cases like this, Right. Um. Just.
0: And I'm sure they they keep going. Like this is happening now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like this is 100% still happening. So, anyways, this is why Las Poquianchis are one of the most well-known serial killers from Mexico. I mean, rightfully so, right? They destroyed so many people's lives. So, so many. many
1: lives just destroyed because of of their greed, their ambition, whatever evil whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's bananas. I just can't imagine being this evil and being this mean um, and then doing it as a family. Like, it was, you know what I mean? Like, it was a family affair. It
1: really was. Like, they were all just callous and, I guess, just immune to to (laughs) human suffering by that point.
0: Yeah, they really... It's not even like they were immune. They just took pleasure in it. Yeah. So the one that took the most pleasure, she died of cancer, and then the... It was one of the other sisters that lived a long time. Was it Maria... No, it wasn't Carmen. It was... I um...
1: believe Maria de Jesus.
0: Okay, Maria de Jesus. I just love those names, too, because they're so counterintuitive to what they actually... like.
1: What well, the was were religious, so what else was she going to call them but Marias?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: That's yeah. true.
0: But Maria de Jesus, mm-hmm. like, you know, she's a woman of Jesus. And it's like, no, well, depending on what you think of religion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably right. Anyways, thanks, everyone. That is our episode. So thank you for listening. If you love what we do. Please consider joining our Patreon to listen to exclusive episodes and any future news or merch we might have. You can also support us by leaving a review. And if you have any monsters, creatures, or legends you want us to cover, let us know. And you can connect with us on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or our website, Monster Podcast. We also have a what is it called? Tickety talk. TikTok talk. Tickety talk. Yeah. What the what the kids are yeah, doing. You they know? do
1: the tickety talkity.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Tickety-Tockety's. Yeah, but, you know, it, I feel bad even saying that a- exit outro or whatever just because this was a, such a heavy episode. It was so sad. It was re-
1: Yeah, this one was much more difficult to to research and, and work on for sure um, because yeah. it's, it's painfully timely too, right? Like, it's just thinking about reproductive yeah. justice and who... Who has the right to tell us what we do with our body? And these women had exactly. no rights over their own bodies.
0: No, nothing. Yeah. And it was other women which doing what... it, which
1: just feels so painful.
0: No, and I mean, that is very timely because most, a lot of women support removing, well, not all of them, obviously, the majority do not support removing abortion, but there are a lot of women who pushed for it. Yeah. You know, a woman on the Supreme Court. She's also evil.
1: Honestly, choice and consent of... are really, really important. Yep.
0: Yeah. Also, before we let you go, I wanted to do a quick shout out to our new Patreon subscribers. Kirsty, avant-garde lesbian, love that name, and Oscar. Thank you so much to all three of you for joining our Patreon. I hope you enjoy it. And if you're interested in joining, please do. We will have special, special things coming out soon. Including some merch. That Anyways, we're working on that's it for our episode. And thanks so much. And you know, don't let a bucket of cement hit you in the face. No, unless
1: you deserve it, then please stand right under it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.